Yeah, take care of that. Thank you, Brooklyn. Would you like to know a conversation I had with our children this morning right here at this offering plate? So they, so they came up to put their offering. In fact, Kinsley was the one who needed to put her offering in the plate. And they came up here and they saw a different envelope. They saw a, a Lottie Moon envelope in here. And he got very concerned. There was a, a great deal of concern up here about, about okay, we've got to make sure that the, that the envelope goes in the right tray, plate, whatever we call it. So we had a conversation about all of that. Now I'm telling you, I think the tallest was this tall, other than me. And we were having a conversation about offering and about the importance of it. Going where it's supposed to go and doing what it's supposed to do. So, you know what? Even the youngest are asking about it. While we're talking offering, we are still taking up the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And we're going to be taking up the Lottie Moon Christmas offering um, a bit beyond Christmas. But, but that's okay because, because you know what? We're, we're Southern Baptist. We're Southern Baptist, and, and, and Southern Baptist, the, the uniqueness of that, the uniqueness of that is that our missionaries, our missionaries, whether foreign, whether foreign or home, whether part of the North American Mission Board or the International Mission Board, our missionaries are fully supported by Southern Baptist, fully supported by all of our churches through the cooperative program, through the cooperative program, and through the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. We support them. We support them in vehicles. We support them in insurance. We support them in their children being able to go to school. We support them in every way possible. So guess what? They don't have to worry about that piece of it. They don't have to worry about where their next meal is going to come from, whether their lights are going to stay on, all this kind of stuff. They get to focus on the gospel. They get to focus on the gospel. So take a moment and watch this.
So we take a micro SD card on it. We put simple Bible stories, and they are able to use this to share the gospel just by carrying a mobile phone. What the missions offering you give gets me there, brings us together, and lets us help these young leaders expand and grow the work of God in church planning all across Southwest. God allows our church to be a part of that. God allows our church to be a part of what is happening all around this globe through our giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And it's not only about giving. It's about praying and it's about going and being a part and being a part however God allows us to be a part of that. You know, we're not but about three weeks and a day away from uh, our departure for um, South Africa. And uh, so that's rapidly, that's rapidly coming um, as well. Be praying for our team. Turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. We took, a little, um, we took a little detour last week and we talked about that first nativity. Talked about, um, talked about Christmas a bit. About the reason we celebrate Christmas and, and, and praise God for that. And, and, and you know what? We... We as Christians, we as believers, we celebrate that. We celebrate that each, each and every day. Each and every day we celebrate, we celebrate Christmas and what Christmas is about. We celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and, and the life and the life that he lived, the life that he lived and then, and then going to that cross and dying for each one of us, dying for our sins, dying so that uh, our sins can be forgiven and that we can have eternal life. We can live with him in eternity. So, so Paul, is on, Paul is on this journey. He's got Silas and Timothy with him. He has just been to a place called Thessalonica. He went from Thessalonica to a place called Berea. He's in Europe. He's in Europe taking the gospel, taking the gospel to that part of the world, to that part of the world. And, and, and by the way, it's, um, you know, Paul's doing what Paul did. Paul's being very faithful to his calling, but things aren't going the greatest Though the gospel is going forth, and I, and, and I guess when you, measure, when you measure success and failure, when you measure the fact that you got beat, you've gotten thrown in prison, you've had all these different things happen, but you know what? The gospel continues to go forth. The gospel continues to go forth. People continue to hear the gospel. They continue to respond to the gospel. They continue to become believers, but it's not easy. It's not easy to do this. It's not easy to, um, you just heard the story from South Asia where, where those people are being persecuted. We just heard that in China, Christians are again being persecuted severely. There are places in this world today, there are places in this world today where people, instead of hearing, hearing the gospel, they'll, they'll fight not to hear it. 
They'll fight not to hear it. But, but does that mean that the gospel should not go forth? Does that mean that we stop sharing the gospel? Does that mean that the devil wins? Of course not. Of course not. So let's look at Paul's experience as he gets to Athens. As he gets to, as he gets to this cosmopolitan as he gets to this as he gets to this cultural this this um it's it's like a cultural explosion is occurring in this part of the world that um let's let's look um because there are some that call this the pinnacle of paganism there are some that call this the pinnacle of paganism, and, 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 here's, and here's Paul and, and his entourage and the gospel coming into the mix, coming into the mix of all of this. So let's see how it goes. Starting in verse 16, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered, encountered him, and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked while others said, We will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined 
him and believed, among them Dionysius and the, the Arapagite, a woman named Demarius, and others with them. May God bless the reading of his word. And, and so here he is in this, in this place of a renaissance, in this place of, of a cultural explosion, in this place of art, in this place of music, in this place of literature, in this place of, of everything except God. In this place of everything except a knowledge of the one true God. A knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. A knowledge of that. Every, this, this was, again, a place where knowledge was important. Where an understanding was important. There were, there were, there, there were philosophers in this place. People who loved, who loved knowledge. Who loved knowledge. That's what philosophy is. It's a love of knowledge. It's, it's, a, love, it's, it's a love of information. And, and, and Paul is in this place, and Paul is, is taking that panoramic view as, he, as he's maybe walking the streets, as, as he has come in. And, and you know what? A lot of times he came into these places in the dark of night. <laughs> he came into these places in the dark of night because he was run out of the place he was just at because, guess what? He shared the gospel with somebody. Because he was sharing the gospel, he was being run out of place after place after place. How long would you share the gospel if everywhere you went, you were being run out of a town? If everywhere you went, you were being um, held up in some way, how long would you share the gospel? How strong is your faith to go on, to keep, to keep going on, and to keep sharing what you know is the truth? And Paul did what Paul normally did as he was being provoked, and I believe that was the provoking of the Holy Spirit, I believe that the Holy Spirit was what was provoking within Paul because we know that Paul apart from Christ is nothing. We know that Paul apart from Christ is nothing because, because what was Paul before Christ came into his life? He was a persecutor of the Christian. He was a persecutor of people of the way. He was beating them and imprisoning them and, and, and doing all those things that, that, that he had the authority to do. But with Christ, he saw things differently, didn't he? With Christ, we all see things differently, don't we? I pray that we do. I pray that we see this, see this world and see people in a totally different way. I pray that we see people the way Jesus sees people. I pray that we see the importance of them coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's, he's there, he's in the synagogue talking with the Jews and the Gentile worshipers, those that, were those that were attending the synagogue, but you know, he didn't keep it there. He didn't, he didn't only do it there. I tell you this, you know where it's easy to talk about God? You know where it's easy to talk about Jesus? Right here in church. It's easy to talk about Jesus, okay? Because, because if you are here right this moment, I'm not going to make the assumption that every person in this room right this moment is saved. But, but here's what I will say. Every person in this room is either saved or searching. Is either saved or searching because you're here. Because you're here. But, but what about, and, and, and it goes on. Because not only did he do it in the synagogue, which by the way, which by the way, in the synagogue, guess what? There were a lot of lost people. 
okay? There were a lot of lost people in the synagogue, okay? So, so now, now, but he doesn't only stay there. Now he also goes, look at what it says, and then, and in the marketplace daily with those who happen to be there, to the Agora. To the Agora, he goes to the marketplace to talk to people of every walk of life because you have to realize that everybody was in Athens. I I can almost imagine that Athens was probably a lot like Washington, D.C. I just, that's just my imagination. Thinking about, thinking about the fact that, you know, you, there are places in Northern Virginia, there are places around Washington, you feel like, you feel like the nations have come there. And, that, and that's, the way this, that's the way this was. This was a cultural center. This was a cultural center. But again, a cultural center without God. A cultural center with a whole lot of secular humanism. A cultural center with with. with, with with man making, with man thinking man was the, was the means of all. An anthropocentric, man-centered, man-centered, not theocentric, not God-centered, but a man-centered. And, and so, and then, he, and then he encounters this. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And, that, and these were... And these were two totally, two totally different people. These were, these were people who loved knowledge, yet these were people who believed on two ends of the spectrum. The, the Epicureans were materialist. They, they, they believed that either... Either there is no God or there's no reason to worship a God because, because there is no way that a God can have anything to do with us down here. That's what the Epicureans believe. That's, that's, what, they, that's what they believed it was all about when it came to God. On the flip side, the Stoics, the Stoics, believed that, yeah, there's a God, and he's in everything. They were pantheist. They were pantheistic in their belief. God was in everything. God was in everything, including this chair right here. God's in this chair. God's in everything, okay? And, and, and therefore, and, but, but not that they were sensualist, but they believed that you should seek after pleasure. But they believe that you should seek after pleasure in life. Okay, so, so, so you, see the, you see the wide variety of people. And these were some pretty smart folks. Okay, don't get me wrong. These were some educated. These were some, these were some folks that had, had put some time into this. And, and, and you saw what <clears throat> the way this place was described. It was a place where they, where they came together and they, and they either listened to a thing or they told a thing. They listened to a thing or they told a thing. That's what they spent their time doing. And look at what they say about Paul. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? So, so 
Now, do you take that as a very positive reception of Paul? All right, so here's what I want you to picture. I want you to picture a bird in the gutter. A bird in the gutter eating whatever's in the gutter. You got it? You got that picture? All right, so, so I, I, sometimes I wonder how we tie all this together. But they said he was a worthless loafer. He was a worthless loafer was the way that this continues to be described, this babbler. In other words, what, does, what could he have to tell us? Who, who, does, who does he think he is? You, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that mindset of, um, well, let's, let's, let's just say it this way. When you go to have the conversation, when you go to have the conversation, you better be ready to have the conversation. Do you understand what I'm saying? When, when, you, when, you, when you sit down to have the gospel conversation, when you sit down to talk to somebody about Jesus, be ready to have the conversation about Jesus. Be ready, to, be ready to refer to his word as you have the conversation. Be ready to, be ready to go toe-to-toe with somebody about this. Paul was ready. In fact, some would say, some would say everything that had happened prior to this moment was about this moment. That's kind of the way they feel, the way Luke presented it, that it was all building up to this moment right here, to this conversation right here. Said, others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. So can you understand the fact that he's gone into a place where very possibly, very possibly, Jesus has never been proclaimed? Where Jesus has never been proclaimed. He's introducing them to Jesus for the first time. That's exciting. That's that's an exciting thing. Because we we know that the results are left up to God. We know that it's his work, right? And, and, here, and here Paul is getting to introduce them for the very first time, very possibly. And I'm talking about people of all walks of life. I'm talking about people who were philosophers, people who weren't philosophers, people who were Jews, people who were Gentiles. All people of all kinds are being introduced to Jesus. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus, the, the place where court used to be held. The place, the place where court used to be held. Are you okay? Are you, are you good? Are you good? You start having the conversation, and the next thing you know, you find yourself in that setting? Are you good to keep going with the conversation? And they took him and brought him to the Arab saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of what you speak. Now, in, in a sense, in a sense, it was new. Okay, because Jesus had not, had, it had not been that long since Jesus had gone to the cross and died. It had not been, and realized Jesus was a young man when he went to the cross and he died. Okay, so, so um, Christianity, Christianity, the, the, um, 
a, a faith, a faith that, that teaches that Jesus is the only way of salvation, that te- a faith that teaches that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except by him. Says, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. Now, now there's the door. Man, the door just got thrown wide open, did it not? Did the door not get thrown wide open and the door's wide open? Should we not go through it? If we went to that door, if we went to that door with the, to enter that door and the door got flung wide open, would you not want to go through it? Yes, of course we would. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So the fact that Paul was bringing them something different was not unusual to this group. Was not unusual to this group, but what Paul was bringing was going to change their lives forever. Was going to change their lives forever. Do you believe that you contain a message, a message of good news that will change a person's life forever? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that? Because if you believe it, if you believe it, you're not going to let go of it. And you're going to press on with it. And you're going to keep telling it. And you're going to keep telling it. And you're going to keep telling it. And Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. <laughs> Paul has a way with words. Because he is not... He is not complimenting these people right this moment. I want you to understand that. He is not complimenting them, but he is tactfully telling them so that they'll listen further because they actually think he's complimenting them. He says that in all things you are very religious, for as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, remember remember why he was provoked in his spirit? What did he see? He saw all the idols. He saw all the idols and the statues and all the things that they were worshiping. I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. So, they, so they, he finds this there in the city of Athens. Therefore, the one, the one whom you worship that you have no idea who he is, Without knowing him, I proclaim to you. I have come to tell you the truth. God, who made the world and everything in it, creation of Christ. (laughs) Paul's version. Paul's version, but he starts at creation. He starts at creation and he goes from there. Now, he makes a big jump. He makes a big jump from creation to where he comes to, but it's it's still God's story. It's still God's story that he's telling. Who made the world and everything in it since he is the Lord of heaven and earth. Does not dwell in temples made with hands because they were in a place where building was, buildings were going up and, and things were being built to all these different. And, 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 and you know what? It was, it was easy to say that it was a polytheistic culture because there were Greek gods that had been made up by man and all of these things in this place. 
nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. In other words, God is sovereign. God is providential over all things. God is in control here, not you. Okay? God, God is the one who sits on the throne. And then it goes on, and it says, and, and this, is a, this is a verse that I would encourage you to, I would encourage you to mark it. I would encourage you to use it. I mean, not that you don't use any other thing that you see in Scripture. But, um, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. If you think we're different... If you think we're different, then this straightens it out. I've always, I've always said, I've always said, what if we got pulled inside out? Okay, if, if we think our outside is so different, let's just pull ourselves inside out. Okay, I know that sounds gross, but anyway. But let's just pull, our, pull ourselves inside out and let's see how different we really are. Let's see how different we really, because we are not, we, were, we all came from one blood. We all came from one blood. Please let that sink in. Please let that sink in in the, in the world we find ourselves in today and in, the, and, and, and in the things that we think we know. This is what I know. This is what I read. This is what, this is what I see. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. Okay, so, if you're, if you're here today and you're saved, you're here today and you're a born-again believer, okay, I want you to think about that moment when in your life Christ became the Lord of your life. I want you to think about that moment. And then I want you to think about where your life is today, how your, what your mindset was. And you might say, hey, hold on, Pastor. I can't hardly think back to last week, much less back to when I was 16 or whenever you became a Christian. But you know what? Is the hunger the same? Is the hunger the same? Is the hunger that you had then for Christ the same as the hunger is today? Is the hunger greater? Is the hunger less? Because, because you, know, you know what? We, we ought to be like this. We, we ought to be like this. We ought to be groping for him. We, we, ought to, we, ought to want, we ought to want to hear from him. We ought to want to know what, what, what he is doing and, and, and want to know and be able to answer things based upon his word instead of what we think. For in him we live and move and have our being. And then he takes it back to some of their writers, some of their poets, and he says, and as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So, so he's taking writings, he's taking writings of that day, and here's the encouragement. Here's the encouragement. Because I think I once was afraid to read certain things. But I'm, I'm not afraid to read certain things. I'm not afraid to read anything. I'm not afraid to read, you know, because I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. To go deeper with my Mormon friend, 
I've got to have an understanding of that Book of Mormon. I've got to have an understanding of what that thing says. Now, I've got I've to make sure that I'm grounded in my faith, that I'm grounded in my faith and I'm strong enough in my faith so that, so that I'm not pulled that way while, while I'm trying to and literally pull somebody out of the fire. While I'm literally trying to pull somebody out of the fire. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature, which is God's nature, which is God only, and, and, and all about God is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Can you understand what he's saying? Can you picture this city? Can you picture the city of art and renaissance and, and all that they have constructed and all that they have built with their hands, thinking that, you, you know what, it comes to the point where, you're actually, where, where, you're, where you could actually find yourself worshiping a sculpture or something like that? And Paul is saying it's not like that. That's not what this is about. This is not something, this is not something that we create. This is something that God created. This is something that only God, only God, only God. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. What's the, what's the word? We must repent. We must repent and believe. Believe, repent. Repent, believe, but we must turn from. We must turn from that which we think is right to what God says is right. To what only God knows is right. Because He, he has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness. Now, you, let me tell you something else about those Epicureans. Those Epicureans, because of the way they believed, they were not afraid of the judgment. They were not afraid of the judgment. So you know what they were doing. They were talking against any type of judgment of right and wrong or, or sin. Because they thought they knew best, right? He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. Who is that? Jesus. Just in case you wondered. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Okay? The resurrection was foreign to them. Okay? They've, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. That's a good thing. In other words, you know the door? You know the door that you have with somebody? The door of opportunity to talk to somebody? You understand, you understand you would really like to keep that door open? My, my Mormon friend, the one thing I left hoping was that the door was still open. Still, still open. And I, I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure we will have another conversation. We will have another conversation about this. And, but again, and you know what? It's most important to have the conversation. So let me go there for just a moment. How many of you had a gospel conversation this week? All right, have you? Good. 
Go right ahead. Uh, no, there's, an, there's another. Somebody else raised their hand, too. So No, so on Christmas Eve, as we were here doing community dinner, I went next door. I went over to the store, and I asked, I met Robert, asked him if he wanted a meal. He thought that was the greatest thing he'd heard all day. So I came back, took him a meal, and in the midst of the conversation, I, I asked him if he had a church that he went to, and he said, no, he really didn't. And so, of course, I invited him here, and I asked him if he knew Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he said he did. So, we, of course, the man's also working, trying to run the store. But, so we spent a couple of minutes able to, to celebrate, to, to worship together that, that he knew Jesus. And it was that simple to just ask the question. Somebody else have a gospel conversation? Josh? I guess one, one thing is I preached last Sunday on the genealogy of Jesus and how that fulfilled prophecy at another church. Um, mm -hmm. And so got to share the gospel that way. But also, um, I have a little nephew. He, I guess he's what's he called? 10 years old. Um, and he was asking, how do I know what my purpose in life is over Christmas? And so I was able to kind of give my testimony in the midst of that and talk about how Jesus gives us a purpose. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? So let so let me let, let me tell the flip side of that. I asked two people in a rest two people in two different restaurants this week how I could pray for them, and guess what I did? I stopped them in their tracks. They had no idea what to say to me. They had no earthly idea what to say. But let me tell you something. They told me something that I could pray for. Both of them did. After they finally recovered from me saying that. After they recovered from me saying that, they told me what I could pray about. Now let me tell you something. That's not a gospel conversation. That's not a gospel conversation. Simply because, simply because I asked somebody how I can pray for them, simply because I say something Christian to them, If it's not about Jesus, if it's not about salvation, if it's not about, if it's not about them and their sin and Jesus as the way to overcome that sin, if there's not that conversation, we didn't have a gospel conversation. I didn't have a gospel conversation with that, with those two ladies. I prayed over those two ladies. I prayed that they know Jesus. I have my doubts. Because of, how, because of how devastated they were by the question I asked. So much so, they were speechless. They were absolutely speechless. And so, understand the importance of knowing what a gospel conversation is. Knowing that Jesus has got to come into that conversation. That Jesus and what Jesus did for each and every one of us has got to come into that conversation and be a part of that conversation. I got to share the gospel this week. I... I we, we did a Christmas Eve service here, and I had five minutes. I had five minutes to share the gospel. And I felt like that was exactly what people needed to hear because there were a lot of, there were a lot of people that don't come here that were here. And uh, so again, and here's what happens when the gospel gets shared. Here's what happens when the gospel gets shared. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed 
among them Dionysius, the Paragite, a woman named Demarius, and others with them. So yeah, there are going to be those that are going to mock. There are going to be those that are going to reject. There are going to be those that are not going to, not going to make the decision. But yeah, there are going to be those that will. And what a celebration it is. What a celebration it is. So if you're here this morning, you have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You've never, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Then I say, no better way to start 2019 than with that decision right there. To ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And to begin 2019 living for him. And maybe you, maybe you say, you know, I've just been kind of going through the paces. I've just been kind of, I've been here, there, everywhere. But, but you know what? I need to get back on track. I need to get back on track and I need to do, I need to do what the Lord's telling me to do. I need to obediently follow him. Because praise God, praise God for the people that we read, that we read, and, and, and not everybody, not everybody that, that we read in this book had it, had it um, very easily. But praise God for Paul. When Paul got saved and what God did in his life and how he obediently followed and he took the gospel, he took the gospel. Now, you gotta, you got to realize, where is he going to take the gospel? Right to his death. He's going to take the gospel right to his death. But it was that important to him that that didn't matter. Because when he, when he became a child of God, when he became a follower of Jesus Christ, his, li his life didn't matter to him anymore. Because he had settled, he had settled his eternity. Let's pray. Dear most precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love, we honor, we praise you, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for the truth of the gospel. I thank you for, the, for how you continue to save lives, change lives. And Lord, I, Lord, I, I just pray. I just pray that we would continue to, to live out our faith each and every day for you. That we would tell this world, that we would tell this world about you, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Take this time of invitation. Do with it as only you can. Whatever decision a person has to make, whatever a person needs to lay, lay at this altar, whatever a person wants to pray over, whatever, whatever is going on, Lord, I pray, that, I pray for the power and the, and, and the ability and the strength to, um, to do exactly what you're leading them to do. And Lord, we'll give you the praise, the honor, the glory. All this you most precious and holy name. Amen. Let's stand together.